It's the Nittany No Huddle Podcast from the Nittany No Huddle Studios. Guess we'll just start with Penn State, Indiana history here. 22-2 to two all time for Penn State over Indiana. Uh, Indiana's never won at Beaver Stadium. And uh, we were talking a little bit before the podcast started about the uh, 2020 game. Zach or Devin, do you want to talk about that that game and what you remember from that? Well, I'll uh, yeah, I'll jump in there. I, I'm trying to I've tried to forget it as much as possible, but um, it, it was a weird season, obviously with COVID and just the fact that you have uh, Penn State opening on the road with a Big Ten opponent, something that we've seen this year now, but but before these last two years was pretty rare. So you had you had the COVID situation. Who knows how much they were able to actually practice and get together for meetings and whatnot, and then. Um, you go out to Bloomington and just a really weird game. Penn State statistically dominated, and uh, I recall them marching up and down the field seemingly at will and just some some horrendous uh, Sean Clifford interceptions that kind of portended the, uh, the rest of the season for him. And obviously the big takeaway from that game, two, two, thing, two takeaways I would say, is one, the, the, incredible, the incredible diving two-point conversion from Michael Penix that uh, you know, you could probably go either way on and not really be wrong as, in terms of whether he got the ball across the pylon or not. And then the, the the big talking point coming out of that game amongst Penn State fans was yet another James Franklin game management situation, we'll call it, uh, with Devin Ford scoring a touchdown when Penn State was up one and Indiana out of timeouts that gave them the ball back with an eight-point lead. Um, after the game, it was talked about that that – in the huddle, everyone knew and it was told, it was said, like, do not score, just go down. So whether to blame the coach, whether to blame the player, I, you know, it's tough to say. But all in all, it was a it was a weird game during a weird season that that just sort of I think forecasted what ended up being a, a really down year for Penn State, and that's sort of how I remember it. Is that that game? You know, they just suffered a heartbreaking loss, and then boom, you play Ohio State the next week, and it just the 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 wheels fell off of the season after that point. Devin, you want to talk about that game or anything from there? Uh, yeah, I don't like Zach kind of mentioned, just trying to forget that game. Mostly. I don't remember uh, quite as well as Zach always does. Zach always remembers Penn state games super well. Um, the thing I remember the most is that Penn state just absolutely dominated the game. Uh, I pulled up the box score just to make sure that I was correct. And I see that the final Yards in that game was Penn State 488, Indiana 211, which is absolutely absurd numbers in a loss. Uh, Sean Clifford had 119 rush yards and 238 passing yards, but he did have two interceptions like Zach mentioned, both uh, very critical at the time. Um, like he you had said, 119 rush yards. 119 rush yards. Yeah, that's absurd. <laughs> yeah. So he, I, I, like I said, I don't really remember exactly why he had so many rush yards, but to think about him rushing for 119 and Indiana as a team had 211 total yards, they rushed for 41 yards on 26 carries, and we somehow lost the game. So that's what I remember the most about the game. We also had 10 penalties for 100 yards. So add in three turnovers and just stupid penalties and time management that good old coach Franklin is not uh, very good at was a recipe for disaster. Yeah, that's how you uh, get upset. 
So that's a great transition talking about this game going into our game this weekend versus Indiana. Um, there's talks about this being a revenge game, and uh, I have a great quote from Penn State's defensive tackle, P.J. Mustafer. Um, he said, we're focused on this week. We can't focus on last year because last year already happened. We can't do anything about that. We can't go back and change it. We're just focused on getting ready for the 2021 Indiana game. And I think that really sets a tone. Like, I think, I, especially people in the media like to kind of drum it up. Like, oh, it's a revenge game. Like, they're going to come out for blood, blah, blah, blah. Like, obviously, those players remember that. But it's also a game that they should have never lost. So it's more, I think it's more they're reflecting on themselves as Penn State. Like, hey, we should have never lost that game. So let's make sure we don't make those mistakes again. Um, I don't know how you guys take that quote or anything about this so-called revenge game. Yeah, I'll say, um, and Jordan, you opened with it. This is, this is again, a, a, a program that has never won in Beaver Stadium. And Indiana, nobody can question that they've really, in the last few years, flat last few years, taken a step forward and kind of get into that middle of the Big Ten Conference, and they're kind of knocking on the doorstep. Obviously beat Penn State, and they beat Michigan last year, too. Um, and gave Ohio State all kinds of trouble. But at the same time, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where you you take every week one game at a time, and if you're getting too amped up or juiced up for Indiana, um, I don't know. I, I hate to say – I hate to make that sound like, uh, you know, we're Penn State and Indiana's not worth <laughs> our time, and I guess that's what it sounds like. But I think every game – you know, and Franklin preaches the 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, uh, stuff that he tweets all the time, and it's I think it's kind of corny, but I think this is a good week where let's see if let's see if that type of mentality that the the, the coaching staff preaches actually actually holds true because I think if it does, this is just this is just another important Big Ten game. Again, Indiana's maybe down a little bit, but this is this is a game where just with the talent that they have, I don't think you even need to think about the revenge factor to get amped up for 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 a game like this when you're the number four team in the country. Yeah, I agree completely. And what I kind of take away from like the, all this want to know talk, want to know talk is, you know what, like no matter the opponent, you got to go out and beat them. And everybody always talks, you know, oh, the Big Ten title goes through Columbus. Well, no, it goes through every single Big Ten school because you have to win every single Big Ten game or you're most likely not getting to the Big Ten title. So, yeah, it's Indiana. Yeah, they've never won in Beaver Stadium, but we got to take care of business this weekend, and um, we'll go through Indiana's side of things. But just in general, uh, talking about Penn State, you know, we have some questions too, like, is our defense that good, or have we just played nobody with a good offense? So um, I have our stats that uh, we're averaging 14.3 points per game. Um, That's really good, in my opinion. Um, I have another stat line that we've held five red zone drives scoreless and we're limiting limiting opponents to a third down rate of 36%, which I think is phenomenal. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about our defense, Devin. Yeah, I think uh, it's a little combination of both, uh, quite honestly. Obviously, I think that this defense is very good and I think that the pieces we have from the front line all the way back to the secondary and even some of the reserve players have proven that they can stop um, opposing offenses. But I think it also doesn't hurt that we've played Wisconsin, whose offense is very one-dimensional, as we saw them 
against Notre Dame this weekend. We've played Villanova and FCS school. Uh, and the other two games in there, neither of those have explosive offense. Even Auburn is probably the closest explosive offense we've we've seen. And they did not do what they do best against us by running the ball, part of w- which we discussed in detail. So I don't think I really need to beat that dead horse. Um, but I think it's a little combination of both. I think our defense is is really proving to be one of the best defenses in the Big Ten. But I think this will be another step forward. Can we hold Indiana to single digits? Can we hold Indiana to under 250 total yards of offense? I think those are kind of goals in my mind against an Indiana team that is solid, but not uh, not on the level that Penn State thinks they're at right now. So I think those are the questions that I have. Yeah, uh, just to echo that, um, we have some phenomenal playmakers on defense. Our defense has five interceptions, which is a lot for this early in the season, considering all of last year, we only had four. So um, we're definitely getting chances. Um, I think I saw somewhere there's been a couple of, I want to say like four or five other interceptions that could have been interceptions that were dropped. Um, so there's definitely some significant improvement on the defense. Um, Castro Fields doesn't have an interception yet, but I saw a stat today that He's been targeted 17 times, and he's only let eight completions happen. And then our nickel quarterback, uh, Daquan uh, Horty, has been difficult to throw against as well. Um, Just six completions on 13 attempts towards him. So with those kind of players in your backfield, you know, we have definitely um, the opportunity to take the ball away, and we've been shutting people down. So I think Indiana will be a good game to kind of get a feel um, can we actually stop a legitimate offense? Because I think Indiana does have a pretty good offense. Um, other than that, um, I've I've been looking at our uh, stats, and I can't tell if we're we have a really bad running game, or if teams have just been selling out to stop the run and want to see if Clifford can beat them. So Zach or Devin, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I'll say I, I've been I've seen some comments um, online from Penn State fans that just I, I think offhandedly have just assumed that that maybe Auburn and Wisconsin we know we I think we can pretty safely say is probably going to be a pretty solid run defense. I think probably can say the same thing about Auburn. We're going to really find out who Auburn is in the next couple of weeks with the game at LSU uh, on Saturday, and I I was kind of shocked to hear this. From, from what has been a pretty proud SEC program, but I, I just read today that they have not won in LSU since 1999. So that'll be an interesting game to watch with the quarterback controversy. But um, so I think there's been a lot of, getting back to the comments I referenced, a lot of folks I think have just offhandedly assumed that like uh, defenses have been stacking the box against Penn State and forcing us to throw. And frankly, I haven't really seen that. And I think if you're a defensive coordinator, I don't know why you would be doing that. Because at this point, I think you're, you're scouting Penn State and you're seeing Dotson and, and uh, Washington and Lambert Smith and, and a Clifford that is at this point starting to show that he's locked in this year. So I, I don't know that it's a situation where teams are just stacking the box and that's why we can't run the ball. I, I'm a little bit more concerned about it than that. But, um, you know, I think this will be a good good opportunity to really see what, what the story is because I think Indiana has been pretty solid. I know they've given up. Yeah, they lost to Iowa 34 to 6 and they lost to Cincinnati 38 to 24 but in the Iowa game I know f- for for sure there was two pick sixes that Penix threw so 
defensively, I don't I don't think the 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 score lines necessarily um, show what what Indiana is capable of. So I, I'm interested to see. Hopefully, the running game take take the next step. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I'm hoping that we can get that run game started. So let's talk about Indiana. They're uh, 12 and a half point underdogs for this weekend, which seems kind of high. Indiana usually plays us pretty well. Um, So we'll see if we're really, you know, that big, bad number four team in the country, like a lot of people like to think we are. Um, So the Hoosiers are actually ranked last in Big Ten scoring defense. Uh, They're giving up almost 30 points a game. Uh, like you said, some of those, I don't know if the pick sixes are counted in that. I would assume so, but I'm not sure. But they've allowed uh, 15 touchdowns through four games, which seems like a lot. I uh, think they are. I think they are counted. And then I also just remembered, too. So the Cincinnati game was an interesting one because they Cincinnati won 38-24. But Indiana took a late lead, maybe not the fourth quarter, but but somewhere in the third quarter, they took a late lead. And then, similar to the Wisconsin Notre Dame game, gave up a kick return for a touchdown, and Cincinnati never looked back. And that was sort of the turning point in the game. And of course, you know, you got to cover kicks. That's um, uh, point being, I think the, the the scoring numbers against the Indiana defense may be a little bit slanted by some non uh, traditional touchdowns that were scored in some of their bigger games. Yeah, I I was questioning that as well. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, next thing, looking at you know. We got Penix. Um, it seems like he's down from what he was last year. Uh, I saw his stats. He's only completing 55%. Not that great. Um, against Western Kentucky, he was only 35 for 53. Now, granted, he had 373 yards, which is a big outing. Um, but my biggest concern with Indiana is they have been dominating, controlling the clock. Uh, they're ranked 17th in the country in time of possession with over 33 minutes. And if we know anything about Penn state football is we typically don't play that style. Now this year we have been playing that more. Like we were almost split with Auburn with time of possession, but I, I know against Wisconsin, we did not have a lot of time of possession. So I'm worried that they're just going to try and limit mistakes by taking as much time as possible. Uh, Devin, do you have anything to comment on that? Uh, yeah, just one other number to kind of, Reemphasize what you're saying there is that Indiana is averaging, uh, I think it's 76 total total plays per game, which is pretty high. Um, just as a comparison, Penn State right now is averaging 65 plays per game, so I think that kind of goes into that time of possession as well. Um, Penix, like you said, hasn't looked as sharp as he looked last year, but I'm not sure exactly why that is. Again, you're playing at Iowa, who I think is one of the best Big Ten teams, uh, not just ranking-wise, but just in general. I think they're they're going to end up near the top of the Big Ten. Cincinnati, we've all talked about that they could potentially run the table and steal a spot in the, in the college football playoffs. So maybe those two games kind of are impacting that. But, um, yeah, for him to only be 77 of 140 and a four-touchdown t- to six-interception ratio through four games um, – I would be a little concerned if I was Indiana. So that's where I'm at with them. Yeah, and to go, to go along with that, um, last year through four games, Indiana only had – or their margin was plus eight on the turnover department. This year, they're minus two. So that's definitely a big concern. Um, uh, with that as well, um, I saw that they are getting a lot of pressure 
against Penix. So that could be, you know, leading to some of those bad throws. Um, I, he's been sacked seven times and pressured uh, 39. So that's a lot of pressure. Um, so it seems like their O-line's just not what it was last year. And I, I didn't really do my research. I don't know how many people they lost from last year, what the case is. But um, I know that they've been giving up a lot of pressure. And maybe it's because they're playing a lot better teams early. So that could be part of it, but I'm not really sure what's going on with their offensive line. Now, in other news, uh, their third team's third leading receiver, also their kick returner, uh, DJ Matthews Jr. Um, he sustained a torn ACL last week, so he'll be out. Um, I think that plays a big part in the special teams department. So that's just something to look look out for. Uh, that's all I have for Penn State, Indiana. Uh, Zach, do you want to add anything? And then we can transition into our predictions for this week in college football. Yeah, I guess I would just say one one item as I look through the stats and, and some of the box scores of the Indiana games is they, they've, and I think this plays into the question about uh, Penix and some of his numbers this year. It, it, it appears that Indiana struggled to run the ball as well. Um, I, I see they... They are only slightly ahead of Penn State in terms of average rush yards per game. And again, they've played a couple of good defenses, and and I, so has Penn State, I think. Um, but I, I think part of part of the issues with Penix is I don't think he is a, sort of your prototypical quarterback. I think he's a good running threat, but I think he needs that running game um, so you can use the play action. He's dangerous when you roll him out, get him get him on the run. I know last year, if you watched that game last year, not just the play at the end where he dove for the pylon, which was a frankly a crazy athletic play if you see how far back you know he's on like the five yard line and, and he was like he takes off. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous but he he also had a ton of plays where penn state had him bottled up in the pocket and he just bounced it outside or he just kind of you know snaked through a couple guys and just escaped up the middle so he's he's a guy to watch and even if his stats aren't gaudy he's just a guy that can hurt you um but i think if if they get the running game going that just makes things really problematic for Penn State. So just just interested to see if the defense can kind of take the next step and, and bottle up a team with some explosive players. You've got a couple. Matthews being out is definitely definitely not good for them, but um, their leading receiver, Ty, Fro- Ty Freifogel, is, is definitely a good one, a one to watch. And they've got a tight end, Peyton Hendershot, who had a great year last year. I know he really hurt Penn State as, a I think, like the security blanket type receiver for, for Penix. So he'll be another name to watch. Just curious, Zach, before we transition, uh, how, how much do you think that his ACL injury could possibly be uh, still impacting him, in, especially in the running game is, is what I've seen a little. is He doesn't seem as quick to try to run post-torn ACL. Uh, is that anything that you've seen too? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's definitely got to be at least some somewhat of a factor. Um, I've, I've never had to deal with that, but I would imagine playing at that level – uh, with as as big and fast as these guys are, that there's just going to be a, a a period of time in which you're maybe a little bit hesitant, or just you're not a hundred percent back to speed. And even at this level, the difference between like ninety percent and a hundred percent is can be right. massive. So, so that that definitely could be part of it. Um, you know, the one thing I, I would note too, uh, they did lose Wap Fillier, first team all name. Uh, all, all name division, but that, that was a guy that got, I think he got drafted and he's somewhere in the NFL right now, but he was a receiver uh, that was the number one, the kind of the go-to last year and, and he hurt Penn State. And so he's a guy that's gone. So they're maybe trying to f- 
find out who the new the new number one is, but right. Yeah, um, with that ACL injury um, that Penix suffered, immediately I'm thinking of Carson Wentz when he came back from his knee injury and how he just wasn't the same running anymore. So I think I think that's definitely part of it, and that might also be affecting his ability to throw the ball. He might be getting rid of it a little too soon, not staying in the pocket as long, especially if they're getting pressured as much as they are. Um, so that's something to... Something to, to keep an eye on. I I will be interested interested to see um, if we can dominate the defensive line like we have been the last couple games. So uh, I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, I'll turn it over to you, Devin, if you want to go through your prediction for PS or Penn State versus Indiana. Uh, yeah, I can kick us off. I would have Penn State twenty seven, Indiana six, two field goals, twenty seven six. I like it. I like it. Uh, how about you, Zach? I've got uh, 24 to 17 Penn State. Oh, barn burner. All right. <laughs> I'm going to go a little bit higher. I I think we're not going to struggle to throw the ball. And I think if they do play coverage that our running backs are actually going to have a good game. So I, I think we are going to win 35 to 14 is my prediction. So we'll move on uh, elsewhere. We have a whole list of games we're going to be looking at. Uh, one I'm very excited for, uh, Friday night game, number five, Iowa at Maryland. Uh, Zach, do you want to talk about this game at all? Yeah, I'll jump into this one. And and this is one of the, the uh, dreaded Friday night matchups that I think most Big Ten fans hate to see their team play in. But as a fan of... Uh, a team that's not playing in it. I think this is going to be a fascinating one to watch. And, um, you know, I think different different styles makes for great, great football watching. And I think this is going to be a game where you're going to watch two teams that are going to be trying to do vastly different things when they have the ball. Um, so Iowa, of course, is going to play a little bit more slow, a little bit more methodical. They're going to do it their way, and they're going to try to pound the rock and, and slow the game down and use up clock. And Maryland, of course, on the other side, has a lot of talent at the skill positions and a really perhaps maybe the hottest quarterback in the Big Ten at this moment in, in Tagovailoa. So they're going to try to get the ball in the perimeter. They're going to try to play fast, get the ball into the hands of their skill players. And Iowa's got a really good defense, but I think this will be the first opportunity that we'll get to see Iowa against some some guys that have the potential to 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 get behind them uh, and get, get the ball over the top. I think, you know, Iowa state's solid. Um, but I, I just don't think we've seen Iowa and their defense have to go up against a, an athletic team like Maryland. So I think this game will be interesting to watch just because Maryland's four and oh, they're, they're kind of at that point where you're not sure if, if they're going to do something this year, or if maybe they're a fraud and Iowa's going to smack them down. And of course, Iowa, you know, you have an undefeated Iowa, top five Iowa that's got everything in front of them. So this game kind of has has everything for me. I think I saw the line was set um, somewhere around three points uh, favoring Iowa, which is interesting, which seems a bit low based on the rankings. But I think it tells you what Vegas thinks of of Maryland's chances and, and maybe too just the sort of the oddity of, of the Friday night road game. Yeah, Friday night in College Park. Um, we'll get the experience that uh, later this season. But uh, Iowa, I think, is going to take care of business. But I do think 
it's going to be a close game. I don't want to get anywhere near the spread or anything on betting this game just because I, I could see it going either way. But with the way Iowa plays, I could see it being a very slow, methodical game for them, like you said, but then have Maryland, you know, going for those quick strikes. So it'll definitely be some great entertainment uh, to watch on Friday night. I'm a big fan of having football to watch a day early. So, Devin, you got anything for this game? Uh, I, just a gut feeling here. I think that either Iowa wins big as a kind of a statement win to say where they're at or Maryland wins close. Um, that's kind of how I'm feeling just gut wise. Iowa looked really rough last week and I think that they come in here to college park and, and they could very easily just hammer Maryland and, and beat them by three or four touchdowns. But I think Maryland will be in the game at least early. And, uh, and if they're in the game, late then they probably steal it at the end is kind of my gut feeling i would also note uh jordan that we're, we're probably about two years to the day from the last time that maryland was riding in high on an undefeated non-conference uh, <laughs> and had a home friday night matchup against a highly ranked big 10 foe and i i believe they actually canceled classes that friday um and i think the final score of that game was something like 59 to 6 or something. So, yeah. I'm I'm touting Maryland up, but they've been in this position in the past and of course for the Penn State fans and they probably recall the game a few years ago down there where it was just an absolute uh de- demolition of Maryland by Penn State. So, we'll see we'll see if they're ready to kind of take that next step and go from, you know, now all of a sudden, all of a sudden if you're a Maryland player, coach fan now all of a sudden everyone's talking about you in a positive way and things are a little bit different and you're you're not going to sneak up on teams uh like you did last year in beaver stadium actually so it's a different perspective and, and you've just kind of got to um you know kind of stay humble i think if you're in their shoes yeah I, I agree with that and i will say having been at that game with you um college park their stadium was fantastic in my opinion for the size of it um it just felt like very you felt very close to the field the entire time so it's kind of different when you're going from like the coliseum type uh, atmosphere at beaver stadium where it's just so massive to a very small condensed uh like field where you're like you feel like you're on top of the players to be honest uh i don't know if you remember that feeling but i remember feeling that way and i remember there being like maybe i don't know a, a thousand maybe two thousand maryland fans in total it was almost all a sea of white there so uh i don't know if you want to talk about the atmosphere there a little bit if you remember that yeah it definitely was uh it definitely was uh, a, a, a heavily penn state crowd um it, i i do think it's a nice stadium it's a little smaller than beaver stadium obviously but um, just kind of great, great vantage points from wherever you're at. And again, I think it's one of those programs, especially in the big 10 East where it's, it's easy to pick, you know, make fun of their, the fans and say, look, look how Penn state came in and took over. But it's also hard when you're, when you're getting your teeth kicked in night in and night out. So, you know, hopefully if you're a Maryland fan and you've got something to, to cheer about at this point, you would, you would think this stadium Friday night's going to be rocking. It's going to be a raucous atmosphere because you finally have a product on the field that, that it looks like you can maybe be proud of and might might do some things in the Big Ten. And, and we're going to get to some other teams like that too, uh, which I think makes the Big Ten fascinating this year, uh, especially the Big Ten East. I mean, if you if you see Maryland pull off this win Friday night, 
and then you start thinking about the Big Ten East with with Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan who are always there, and all of a sudden this resurgent Michigan State. You've got then you've got a Maryland that just beat an Iowa, and then you've got a Rutgers that went into the big house and probably should have got out of there with a win. And then you've got an Indiana who's who it's clearly no joke. All of a sudden it starts to feel like the SEC West where you look around and you're like, well, who are we supposed to beat? <laughs> who's like, who's the bad team here? Yeah. Where's the Vanderbilt? <laughs> um, yeah. I, I just had a great time when we went down there last time and it could have been the big win. Um, it could have also been that they were serving beer in the stadium. So <laughs> that's uh, to be determined, but we'll move on uh, another Friday night game. So we got two ranked teams playing on Friday night, which I'm, Super excited about. We get to see BYU versus Utah State. Uh, I don't have any really scouting report on this game. BYU, I think, needs to go in there and just take care of business, but it'll give me something to watch if, uh, you know, Iowa is beating the brakes off Maryland, and that's not a game. So I don't know if you guys want to talk about BYU at all. Yeah, it's a big game. I'm excited. You're, you're talking about the old wagon wheel trophy rivalry there. Uh, that's just, you know, that's as good as it gets. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I won that one in NCAA. It's one of the few rivalry trophies that I don't think I ever got a hold of. So, you <laughs> is looking to claim the Utah State Championship. They, of course, beat Utah in the first week of the season, who was ranked and expected to be pretty good this year, has not really delivered. So, if the, four weeks or five weeks into the season, they can have a uh, two wins over the other schools from Utah in, in in the FBS, and of course, they already have a couple wins over the Pac-12. So, this just this is another game where it's not a flashy flashy game but utah state's a, a solid program and and can byu continue the march like we talked about on the last podcast to potentially being one of those uh fb uh, uh, uh group of five teams that's actually in the mix for a playoff and i think with these types of games anybody that they're playing that isn't an elite team they need to stomp them i mean at, it, at some point it becomes about style points so which is unfortunate but i think if you're in their shoes that's kind of ha- what it has to be about yeah, I agree. And uh, great transition. Speaking of teams that currently own the rights in some states, we got number eight, Arkansas, who obviously has been owning the state of Texas. Uh, they're actually going to go way down south and they're visiting at number two, Georgia, and which for me, I think is the game of the week. Um, I don't know, Devin, if you want to talk about this game a little bit. Yeah, I think this is has huge implications already early in the season for the college football playoffs. Um we have said in our rankings, I know Zach has Arkansas in his in fourth or fifth. I, I draw on a blank where you had them, Zach. But I had Arkansas at fourth. fourth. Yeah, I had them at fourth as well. Um, it's just a huge game in the SEC. Can Arkansas go in here and beat Georgia? I would say probably not. I don't think Arkansas is quite ready to. I think Georgia will end up kind of crushing them. But if Arkansas goes in and beats Georgia, then it makes for quite the mess in the college football playoff landscape. And uh, suddenly you have Arkansas in the, in their own driver's seat to, to control their destiny into the college football playoffs. Yeah. And I think with that being said, I think Arkansas would go to, I, I would have to put them at number one. If they beat number they two, have, Georgia, have to be, they have to be. Yeah. I mean, they're, they, they will have the most impressive resume out of anybody. They beat Georgia, beat Texas and beat Texas. So uh, I, I'm very excited to watch this game. I, didn't get to watch very much of the Texas A&M game. So I'd like to get a full scouting report on Arkansas and see, you know, is this team legit? Uh, they very well could be. Uh, Zach, I don't know if you want to talk about any of 
that aspect of this game, but I'm really looking forward to it. I think a couple of things with with the game last week being such a big big game for Arkansas, sort of a coming out party, playing in Jerry World, obviously, and and although it necessarily maybe doesn't matter to the to the kids that are playing in this game, Arkansas and Texas A and M is actually like an old an old rivalry from the the old Southwest Conference days. So you got to wonder. You see this at the, in college sports, college football, college basketball a lot. Um, something I mentioned last week compared to the NFL, where everyone sort of treats every week the same. Can they come out with the same energy that they had this past week for the A&M game? Um, can, can you back that up two, two straight weeks? Can you come out with that same type of energy, especially here where it's going to be a true road game in a pretty hostile environment? I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think they can hang with Georgia. Again, I said last week, I don't. I need to see Georgia's offense do it against somebody with a pulse. Um so we'll see, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Arkansas hang around. I just don't know. I just don't know if they're able to, to kind of pull it off two weeks in a row. But I absolutely agree. If they if they were to beat Georgia at Georgia, they there they there should be not a single vote for the number one team in the country uh, for any other school other than Arkansas if they were to pull it off this week. Even if Bama goes in and just waxes Ole Miss, I would say yeah, I would still say Arkansas because uh, I'm pretty sure Bama's at home. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, number twelve versus number one. And something I mentioned last week, I you know, we know we know about Arkansas at this point. Again, something we talked about throughout is when you're four games into the college football season, a lot of times there's teams that you just don't know anything about. I don't think we know anything about Ole Miss. So I, I am. Right. Then that's maybe a good segue to the next game. I'm interested to see what Ole Miss is, but they haven't they haven't shown anything yet. So I I think if Georgia annihilates Arkansas. That's a big win for Georgia because we know what Arkansas is. We saw them beat Texas. We saw them spank Texas. We saw them beat a, a, a solid, if unspectacular, AM team. So we know what they are. So I think the outcome of the Georgia-Arkansas game tells us something about both teams, whereas if Alabama beats Ole Miss pretty handily, I, I think you can say that's that's a good win, but, but we won't know for a few weeks until Ole Miss plays a few more SEC games to really know what that win meant so for that reason i would say absolutely if arkansas pulls this off they're the number one team in the country yeah and moving on to old miss alabama um i i know nothing about old miss other than they have uh, awesome baby blue helmets yeah i mean they have great jerseys in general i think we discussed this in our group chat the one day uh definitely top five jersey and helmet combo in my opinion um but yeah, and they have Lane Kiffin, and that's about all I know. <laughs> so I, I couldn't tell you who they've played this year so far. I didn't really look into it that much. Um, I don't know, Devin, if you know that offhand, who they've actually played. Uh, they beat Louisville by 20, beat Austin P. I think. Austin Prey? Uh, <laughs> Austin P. 54 <laughs> to 17, and Tulane 61 to 21. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, at least they're blowing the teams out that they. Well, played. we know they're we know they're better than Oklahoma at least because yeah. they can they can beat up. They like, take care of Tulane. Yeah. Right. So and they are averaging almost 700 yards per game of total offense. But again, against Austin P and Tulane, and even a a kind of garbage Louisville team. Not sure how much that says, but they're averaging 640 yards of offense per game, which is I don't care who you play. That's still absurd through three games. Yeah, and the thing the so Ole Miss has 
perhaps the presumptive Heisman favorite at this point. I haven't checked right. the, the, the books on it yet, but I would say Matt Coral is probably, or Corral, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his last name, but he's definitely up there, and they, they have a, a fleet of receivers that can just run and go get it. Um, I don't know if you remember the game last year when Alabama played them in uh, Oxford. I think the final was like 62-47, to 47, and it was a track Sounds meet. Right. And, and Alabama, it was the worst. I, I think Nick Saban said after the game it was like the worst defense he's ever seen Alabama play um which is probably just a coach speak for man that other team can actually play Taking balls, um, yeah. yeah so they obviously couldn't stop Alabama but from an offensive standpoint I, you know I you probably got to go back to his Michigan State days to find a time when a Nick Saban defense gave up 47 points so that'll be an interesting one to watch just because I think we'll learn a little bit about Ole Miss and we'll maybe see, <laughs> is Bama perhaps a little bit vulnerable? Um, it'll be something to learn from that game for sure. All right. And uh, speaking of other noon games, we got number 14 Michigan at Wisconsin. Uh, as a Penn State fan, I'm kind of torn. Do we want Wisconsin to beat Michigan here to kind of give them some validity? Or do we want to hope Michigan is as high ranked as possible when they uh, visit the big house. I think as a Penn State fan, we probably want Michigan to win this game. Um, I've kind of given up hope on Wisconsin helping our resume at this point. But if Wisconsin or if Michigan, excuse me, is is undefeated headed into the game against Penn State, not only will that be a college game day game, that will be a night game, and it will be just absurd if both teams are undefeated at that time. Yeah, I think if you're if you're looking at it from that perspective. The, the stink is on Wisconsin and it's not washing off. Um, ju- just a win, just a home win against Michigan is not going to change the the narrative based on what we saw. Not not just the not just the fact that they lost to Notre Dame, and not just the fact that the score makes it look like it was a blowout, but just the way they basically just sort of handed the game away, kick return touchdown, and then like two pick sixes. So, uh, you know, I, I think if you're if you're getting to the point where we're talking about how from a scheduling standpoint or schedule strength standpoint, I think a a Michigan that just keeps rolling and then sets up a a late season game with Penn state. Cause of course, you know, Michigan's not going to play Ohio state. I don't know. I don't have Michigan's schedule in front of me, but they obviously play Ohio state at the end. So there's a, there's a chance they beat Wisconsin. They may not, they may not see anybody. They uh, maybe Michigan state. They play Iowa. Don't they? After Wisconsin, they play at Nebraska versus Northwestern at Sparty and versus Indiana before they play Penn State. And then they play Maryland in between Penn State and Ohio State. So they definitely – so they end with Sparty, Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State. Sparty, Indiana, Penn State, okay. Maryland, Ohio State. So they – you know, if you're a Michigan fan, you're looking at this Wisconsin game. And, and look, I don't care what you think about Wisconsin, the quarterback's – playing terrible right now you don't go into madison and and come out with an easy victory so it'll be a tough game and they're still playing defense in wisconsin don't let the don't let the 42 points that notre dame scored fool you 21 of those were with the defensive players standing on the sideline you know i I don't expect michigan to to get an easy win but i I think and again i think this is one where it's it's sort of a game where we finally learn something about michigan um they did not really impress in the second half against Rutgers. They kind of just got ahead and stayed ahead and then did nothing offensively in the second half. I, I don't think they're going to go into Madison and just run the ball 45 times um, like they have been and expect to get it done. They're going to have to show something through the air, which is 
is what everyone's sort of waiting to see. Can they do that at this point? Yeah, I agree with you there, Zach. It's it's going to be a real, you know, time for Michigan to show up and, you know, kind of put the haters at rest. If they go into Madison and, you know, can win by two scores, I don't know what the line is, but if they can do that, I think they could be, you know, headed towards the top 10 as well. So speaking of teams that have played Wisconsin, the next game we got is number seven Cincinnati at Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's ranked 11th. Is that correct? Ninth? Okay. Yeah, so seven at nine. Uh, I mean, that, this is going to be a phenomenal game too. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to talk about this. I know we kind of hit in-depth Notre Dame and Cincinnati last week, but I'm excited. I really hope. I want Cincinnati to kind of be that Cinderella team. Uh, I just think it's great for college football that we don't have, you know, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama in the playoff every single year. It, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a hater because I don't like any of those teams, but I think casual fans are kind of getting sick of seeing the same team. So to have something like a Cincinnati come in there and be kind of an underdog would be awesome. So Yeah, so I, I'll go out. I'll go out on a limb and know we're not doing predictions for all these games. I, I have Cincinnati winning this game. I I think Notre Same. Dame has – they obviously struggled the first couple of weeks of the season. Everybody saw that. They very very well should have lost to Florida State, who we now know is terrible. Uh, definitely, definitely could have lost to Toledo. Didn't look that great against Purdue. And then they had that, that weird blowout that wasn't a blowout win over Wisconsin – and I just think this isn't a vintage Notre Dame team. And just from the little bit of uh, the games I've watched, it, it doesn't appear like they have the road grading offensive line that they've had in the past. You know, they've they've put a lot of sort of the un, I think the the secret that nobody talks about at the Notre Dame is they've put a lot of linemen in the NFL over the years. Um, and I just from what I'm seeing so far, it doesn't look like they have that. The run game is not producing. So I, I'm I'm calling a Cincinnati victory in South Bend over the weekend. I'm with you. I think uh, Cincinnati coming off a bye week, too. They didn't play last weekend. I think that that gives them a little extra time, gives them a little extra advantage. And uh, I agree with you, Zach. I think Cincy goes into into South Bend and comes out with a win. Yeah, uh, I I think Cincinnati has everything in their favor, like with momentum and just building. Uh, I think there was a lot of emotion in that Notre Dame win. I know I think uh, Brian Kelly – I forget how many wins he broke with Notre Dame, but um, I think there was just a lot of emotions wrapped up in that. So I think that might have a factor. So I'll, I'll just backtrack a little bit because I got, I want to kind of do a graphic for this anyway. So if you just real quickly give me who you have winning, we'll go through the games we just covered previously and then we can I can mark them down. So uh, I'm assuming we all have Penn State winning this weekend. Okay. And then Iowa-Maryland. I, th- I think I was going to take care of business, so that's who I got. Okay, so all three for Iowa. And then, obviously, I think we all have BYU. Um, and then, uh, what's the next game here? Arkansas, Georgia. I, th- I think I'm going to go with Arkansas, to be honest. Oh, Georgia big. All right, and then uh, Michigan-Wisconsin. I I think Michigan's going to win that game. In a tight one.
Ooh. Okay. Oh, I like it. I like it. And then obviously we have the Cincinnati Notre Dame game. And I think we all had Cincinnati. So um, we'll move on to our next game, which we kind of already talked about the uh, Old Miss Alabama. Uh, I really don't know who to pick in this game. I, I, my, uh, my feeling is I want Old Miss to win, but that doesn't, I, I just don't think they get it done against Alabama on the road. Uh, so I'm going to go with Bama. All right, so we're all in line with that. Um, now we'll move on to the Pac-12. We got number three, Oregon, at Stanford. I don't think Stanford's very good this year. I really don't have any knowledge of what they've been doing. Um, so I don't know if either of you guys want to chime in there, but I'm going to have Oregon winning that game. State to open the year, and then they beat USC, and they've lost to UCLA. So one thing, to, they have played a lot of – legitimate team so far so they're they're battle tested and they're at home um my take on the oregon game is uh, and devin really hit the nail on the head on this in the last podcast that they really did not play very well and i think we're pretty fortunate to be playing a really bad arizona team last week because i think they they were sort of ripe for the upset that week um but i think because of that the coaches are able to, to kind of get them back on track and say hey look look you know we're up to number three we're not unbeatable though. Look, look what happened in this Arizona game that that was a nail biter that really didn't need to be. So I think they get back on track and beat Stanford. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have a lot of um, desire to pick Stanford in this game. I think it's going to be really close. Uh, the line, the spread is eight, and I think that that I think Stanford could uh, could cover that spread. I think McKee from from Stanford is going to have a big game throwing. I, I, he could go off. I think for. 350 yards it wouldn't surprise me at all um but i think oregon does end up winning it and probably kind of similar to that arizona game they end up winning by 20 or 15 but i think stanford if i had to make my upset special of the week it probably would be stanford but i just don't think they can quite get it done they're not quite good enough i don't think all right um like i said i don't i really don't know much about stanford uh I haven't been reading up on my Pac-12 as I got exposed last week by Devin. So, uh, I mean, I had it up, and then I was working on some other stuff, and I turned it off. So it's kind of on me. Don't don't come uh, don't come into the podcast without your facts straight. Um, so moving on to other teams that could have been upset in the past few weeks. We got number six Oklahoma at Kansas State. Um, I think Oklahoma will probably take care of business this week. They've been pushed to the limits the last two weeks. So that's just my opinion is I think they'll come in and win by two scores. But I don't know if you guys have any insight. I have Oklahoma winning. That's pretty much it. I I have Oklahoma as well. I will note that, uh, and I think some people might be surprised by this, K-State has won this matchup each of the last two seasons. I what? did not realize that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, but I do have a charm. <laughs> I would be more inclined to pick K State, uh, but they and they opened the season with a with a nice win over Stanford, and they lost their starting quarterback, who was a good dual threat quarterback, who I know is 
definitely the starter last year. He he may have been the quarterback of each of the last two wins over Oklahoma. So, uh, but he's out for the season and they lost him. So I think that really took the the shine off of what looked like a potentially promising season. They they lost a close one to Oklahoma State uh, last week. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to see this as a competitive game just because K-State obviously has shown they know how to beat Oklahoma and Oklahoma has shown nothing, nothing <laughs> this season. So I don't, I'm not ready to say that they're going to, they're going to demolish uh, a conference foe that, that you on know, the road, on the road that has, has beaten them in the past. Yeah. Good stuff there. Um, speaking of quarterbacks that are, or have been tearing it up. We have our next game, Florida at 4-0 Kentucky with Will Levis at the helm. Uh, Devin, you want to talk about that game a little bit? Yeah, I think uh, as Penn State fans, it's cool to see Will Levis get his shot down there. Um, his his lines still aren't as great as uh, as 4-0 indicates. Um, just looking at his numbers, sorry. He has seven touchdowns and five interceptions, but then you compare that to Florida's quarterback he has four touchdowns five interceptions so <laughs> that's that's never good um but i i think i think that this is going to be one of those quintessential sec football games i think it's gonna be really low scoring i think it's going to be just a, a one or two possession game throughout the entire game no one's going to take a lead by a lot and i think florida ultimately wins the game but it's going to be super low scoring like a I don't know, like a 17 to 10 game or something like that. It's just how I feel about it. I, I don't know about Kentucky's defense. I haven't really watched Kentucky, but I don't know how their defense has been this year. I just don't think that Florida is that great either, other than losing to Bama. They did play well in that game. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Florida, but I'm not super confident about it. I will say it's hard to pick Kentucky to win – against Florida when they have not done that in Lexington since 1986. And mind you, these are teams that have played every single year. Right. So uh, they I, did beat, they did beat Florida in Gainesville a couple of years ago. I, um, I'm not sure about Kentucky's defense either to, to, to back up Devin. I will say just from keeping an eye on them because their starting quarterback is obviously a former Penn Stater. They have really struggled on offense the last couple of weeks uh, one of the games being against Chattanooga. So I just, you know, I don't know if there's enough offense there to to hang with with Florida, but it's at home. And again, it's a it's a matchup where they should be just absolutely out for blood because Florida has had their number. So we'll see. But I, I, I would say Florida is going to get it done. So I am going to pick Florida, but I think they're going to kick a field goal with less than two minutes left in the game to win it. Uh, I think it's going to be very close, and I think it's going to be more high-scoring, to be honest, because I don't think either team's defense is really that good. Um, so I'm going to say, like, probably, like, 20... Let's see here. Yeah, probably, like, I don't know, 28-31 is probably what I'm going to pick for that game. Uh, move on to another two teams that are 4-0. We have number 21, Baylor, which... I think has played pretty well. Um, and then they're at 19, Okie State. Zach, you want to talk about this game? Yeah, this is an interesting one uh, because it's sort of an under-the-radar matchup of 
two undefeated teams. I don't think we have that many of those on the docket this week. We've got a few. We've we've covered a few, but um, potentially you're looking at this matchup as whoever comes out of this one is maybe the um, the heir apparent to challenge Oklahoma for the title. Um, you know, if you're Baylor and you you start your Big Ten or excuse me, Big Twelve run with they they beat Kansas a couple weeks ago, which everyone will, but then they beat. Iowa State at home last week, which was a big win. A lot of people had Iowa State, uh, frankly, in the top ten in the country to start the year. And then, so if you if you parlay the the Iowa State win with a road win at Oklahoma State, then they're sort of off to the races. They're five and zero. Oh, they have a couple Big Twelve wins, and and they're a team that you're maybe looking at as are they going to challenge Oklahoma for the Big Twelve? Same thing in the other direction. If you're Oklahoma State and you hold serve at home against uh baylor you've got the win over k-state they had a uh an interesting non-con road win at boise state so they've got a going as well so i'm interested to see who comes out of this one just to kind of see if we can start to get a feel for oklahoma being down but is there somebody that's going to take advantage of it is the question that i have yeah i'm right with you there i i really think baylor is been looking good I'm riding high on Baylor, so I'm going to keep it with them. Uh, I think they get it done at Oklahoma State this weekend. Devin, your turn. Yeah, I honestly have no idea what's going to happen in this game. I have no good read on either of these teams. I know Jordy's really high on Baylor, but I just see uh, a close game against Texas State on the road, which is weird to think that Baylor played at Texas State. Um, And then crushing Texas Southern and Kansas – you should do that. Anybody should do that, basically. And and then a tight win over Iowa State that, again, like Zach said, a lot of people were really high on before the season, and they haven't really performed up to that level. And then you look at Oklahoma State, who has beat uh, – barely beat Missouri State, barely beat Tulsa, somehow went into Boise and won by one point, and then beat Kansas State last week. So I don't think either of these teams are that impressive, but I don't – have a good read on them. I think this game will tell us a lot about where they're at. And like Zach said, where the big 12 is at, can either of these teams beat Oklahoma? Um, so I think I'm going to take the Cowboys close. Pistol Pete. And Jordan, I realize I didn't actually make a prediction, uh, but I am going to also take Oklahoma state. Mike Gundy is probably my favorite coach in America. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely up there. Um, I, I do have a uh, shirt. A Baylor Bears long sleeve shirt I bought in Waco, so I'm gonna be repping that uh, when I watch them play. Uh, I think that's a evening game. Um, yeah, same time as Penn State game, so I might have a couple screens up watching all the games. But uh, moving on to other evening games, we have number 22 Auburn at unranked LSU. Uh, this is a must win for Auburn and as a Penn State fan we want Auburn to go in there and beat the brakes off LSU um I know we kind of talked about the SEC a little bit earlier uh but Devin do you want to talk about uh Auburn at LSU yeah I mean you hit the big the biggest nail on the head there um we need Auburn to go in here and play well and uh a win here in uh, at LSU would be huge for Auburn and huge for Penn State, even though I don't think LSU is is where they need to be. It looks like LSU is favored in this game, which I think is semi-surprising to me, but 
I actually will take LSU to win this game, unfortunately. So not that surprising, then. <laughs> to think of Auburn being ranked number 22 and LSU not being ranked and, and LSU is that big of a favorite at home, I guess they just assume that LSU's home field is that big of an advantage, which those Auburn fans told us it was, that it was, that it was way better than Penn State. So I guess I should have known that. I think Zach has something to say about that. <laughs> I've got LSU as well. I just think it's really hard to have confidence in Auburn right now. Um, not, you know, not just because they had the the squeaker versus Georgia State, but when you throw in the the uncertainty at quarterback, and I've read Brian Harson this week is is sort of playing it a little bit close to the vest. I don't know how you don't roll with Finley after the last game. Um, the problem is Finley just transferred from LSU. So, you know, starting a young guy in a situation like that where he's now you throw him out to the Wolves against what I'm assuming is probably a decent defense at LSU uh, in a night game in the stadium that he used to play in. So it just it just seems like one of those situations that it's going to be a little bit too much for Auburn. But I'd love to be wrong, but I'm going to roll with LSU on this one. Yeah, yeah, really throwing them to the Tigers there, if you will. Nice. I, th- I, th- I think you missed an opportunity there, Zach, but... Yeah, uh, absolutely. We want Auburn to go in there and win. And, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But I, I'm looking forward to that game as well. Um, just all around so many good games this weekend. And we're going to cap off with the last big game I have on the schedule here. Number 25, Clemson at undefeated Boston College, which could be a play. F- oh, it's at Clemson? I think so. Is that right, Zach? I'm pretty I sure think it's, it's in. I th- I think it's in Clemson. Uh, let me yell to my stat person. Hey, go check that. <laughs> oh, nobody, nobody's here. So I guess I'll have to look it up myself. <laughs> Give me one sec. I'll tell you if it's at Clemson. I uh, maybe I just messed that up. So I don't know. Everybody plays in Memorial Stadium, so unless you look at the state. It's it's always hard to tell because that's Looks basically like, every college football. At, at, so I I think ESPN had that listed wrong because that's where I was looking at earlier, or I just messed up because it was the last one. But um, yeah. So Boston College on the road at Clemson, which makes it even better if they win. Um, I know we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves looking at potential Final Four for uh, playoff hopes, but. From a playoff standpoint, um, I wouldn't mind seeing Clemson lose again. Just completely, like, really they shouldn't have any hope of the playoff. But if Boston College wins, then they're undefeated with a win at Clemson, and they could be the ACC favorite. If they were on the table, they might be looking to get in. So I don't know how you guys feel about that. Uh, Sorry, Zach, I guess I'll go. Um. I think Clemson takes care of business and and just crushes Boston College because I don't think Dabo Sweeney was very happy and I think I I'll be on the Dabo Sweeney train. I I think he's a good coach. I really do. I know some people don't and some people think he's just overhyped, but I think that Clemson just annihilates Boston College this week. Yeah, I've got I've got Clemson big in this one. I think they're coming back home. Uh Boston College is without their starting quarterback. Um, so it'll be sort of a tough environment for for the backup to come into. I just I think it's one of those situations where you get you get a bit of the dead cat bounce, and even if Clemson's down, they're they're going to show something at some point. And this just seems like one of those 
bounce back uh, times against a a four and zero Boston College. But if you really get into who they played, other than the Missouri win last week, which again Missouri's nothing to write home about, but I think they played like Temple, UConn, and UMass or something. So I've got Clemson big. Yeah, good stuff. Um, Devin, do you happen to know offhand who Boston College coaches? Uh, I can't think of his name, but I've seen it floating around. Jeff, yeah, I'm not sh- Jeff Halfley. Jeff Peter. Halfley. Yeah, they're talking about him to go to USC. He's the uh, he he's the former defensive coordinator at Ohio State, and mm. with the defensive struggles that Ohio State is having right now, his name is popping up partly because I think he's doing a decent job at at a a pretty decrepit program like Boston College and also because you're wondering if maybe he was the mastermind behind some pretty good Ohio State defenses over the last few years. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, I I know that there's been interest in him going to the USC job. So he may be, you know, trying to bring his best stuff. I don't know if he's that kind of guy looking for the next step. But, I mean, obviously leaving Ohio State as a D coordinator to take over a head coaching job at Boston College um, I would think he's probably got bigger aspirations than Boston College. So he may be, you know, trying to coach to really impress to maybe get that USC job. That's my yeah, thoughts. I don't think it's going to matter, though. <laughs> I just don't think they're that good. I mean, yeah. it's the ACC, so. I mean, I don't think I, either of them are that good, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, but uh, all in all, I think it's going to be a phenomenal weekend for college football, and I cannot wait. Um, I actually saw there's a Thursday night game as well. Uh, I forget who's playing in it. I, it. I don't think it was anybody of importance. But uh, I'm just looking forward to you know having college football back. Having fans at the game has made all the difference. Um, I know I, I said it last year. It didn't feel like a real season um, with players sitting out. Uh, the eligibility rules changed, and not having fans, I think really hurt a lot of programs. So I'm just happy. Everything's kind of back to normal. And we have this great, crazy week in college football where a lot of these games could go either way um, and could have major implications for the rest of the season. So that's all I have uh, for tonight. I don't know if you guys want to say anything else before we head out. Well, good. I keep an eye on Ohio state at Rutgers though. We didn't really talk about it, but I think that that, could be an important game, especially in the Big Ten. As it, it's at Rutgers, right? All right, so that that'll be one to watch. Nothing else for me. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. We'll have another podcast out hopefully Monday, Tuesday next week, recapping Penn State versus Indiana. Um, make sure to go check that game out. It's gonna be at seven thirty. They have the stripe out planned. Um, hopefully we take care of business and you know depending on how things shake up we could be looking to move up in the rankings again so that's all i got from the nittany no huddle podcast thanks for watching